welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Currently ranked in the top 35 on the WTA tour in doubles. Welcome to Talk Tennis, Haley Carter. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. So I brought you here to talk strictly about gear and you've made some changes or you're making some changes going into 2021. I think we all are, <laughs> but I first want to do a quick recap on 2020. Now, a lot of people have had a rough year and, you know, we've all had our ups and downs, but you're finding yourself at a career high and I'm just going to run through a few of your accomplishments from this year. First of all, you started 2020 playing singles. Let's, let's bring that up. <laughs> yeah, let's not bring that up. How that? <laughs> it's like one of those, all those popular things, like how it started and how it's going. <laughs> I was uh-huh, thinking exactly. that. Um, made it to the round of 16 in Australia with Luisa Stefani, who you played with throughout the year, except for one tournament, I think. Um, you guys won the Newport Oracle, which was also in January. Moving forward, you got to the quarters of the U.S. Open, round of 16 at Roland Garros. You guys won Lexington. You played team tennis. You made it to the finals in Strasbourg. You made it to the semis in Rome. You guys have had an amazing year. It's been so fun to watch you. Give me like a little quick roundup of how it was for you. Yeah, it sounds much cooler when you say it than when I think about (laughs) it. Um, Yeah, I think uh, honestly, it's weird because like you said, we had our most successful year. I had my most successful year of my career but it's at a time when the world's obviously struggling so it's it's kind of finding the balance of that and and at the same time I think all of us as tennis players are struggling a bit uh just adjusting to the new changes and and everything we're going through off the court and and with the world as well um so I I want to keep that in mind when I do talk about um you know the success I had on the court and I think that came just because I was so happy to be out there I think with everything going on I was thankful to be playing, thankful for the opportunity. And yeah, we, we rocked it. We had such a fun year. I think that was, that was the biggest part is like Lou and I get so close as, as teammates and uh, doubles partners and friends and all that this year. And it translated to the court well. And yeah, I think tennis is interesting. Once you get that confidence going a bit, um, it starts to build on itself. And then, you know, before you know it, I, did what you just listed out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then some, I didn't add everything, which is crazy considering the tour was shut down for a bit and people weren't playing. How many COVID tests have you taken? (laughs) Gosh, over 25 now. So quite, quite a ton. I don't even feel it anymore. I'm like numb. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah. So it's definitely been a year and I, know that you have made a change in your racket and I don't know if that's something you were even looking to do talk to talk to me about how that even started I think the way you told me initially was Lou's coach put a racket in your hand you hit it for like four balls you're like this is nice (laughs) yes pretty much a good summary of how it went so um I think I was at the maybe it was Lexington U S open kind of swing. And, and that's when the idea first started kind of popping into our heads of obviously lose loyal to, to uh head for a while now, since she was a little kid. And I think, uh, you know, despite all the, the stuff we talked about in terms of success 
and, and confidence in matches. I was actually kind of uh, not too confident in my game this year, oddly enough. Interesting. Um, felt like I was going through a bit of a slump on the court. So I was open really to anything that would pique my interest and get me excited and, uh, you know, make me kind of want to get on the court and work on things. And I think sometimes that comes in the form of a new t-shirt or uh, (laughs) shoes or sometimes a big change like a racket. So I think, you know, that combination, it made me open. And then he kind of uh, hit me with about four or five different head rackets. He just pulled them out of his bag. And that's kind of how things got started. (laughs) Nice. So let's tell everyone you were playing with the Babylon Pure Arrow, correct? Yes, playing and with the Pure Arrow. You string with Selinko Hyper G. Selinko Hyper G, uh, 17 gauge. Although, good story about that. I actually played with the wrong string gauge at the US Open. S- tell that story. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> I, I was playing, and I, I don't normally like, you know, I, although we're about to talk about my feel of the racket, I don't have a, an amazing feel compared to most pros of like the string as much. Um, but I was noticing at the US Open kind of New York, I was like, wow, like my, my racket just is so bad. Like the, like the, the string, I was blaming the stringers. I was talking to them. I was like, let's adjust the tension, all this stuff. And I kept telling Lou. And then finally, uh, I actually played with one that was like strung three weeks old. I was like, this one feels the best, Lou. I don't understand. And, uh, turns out at the end, I go to grab my string, pick it up. It turns out I was playing with 16 gauge, quite the difference from a 17 gauge and yeah I had tennis warehouse send me an emergency shipment to to Europe to to save me uh but yeah it's pretty wild I played the whole kind of Cincinnati U.S. Open bubble uh with with the wrong string and we made the quarters so maybe maybe I was meant for the 16 gauge (laughs) that's too funny oh my gosh so that's one question that I know a lot of people have for you is you know can you tell the difference and yes, you can. Like you knew something was wrong or like not feeling right. You just didn't exactly know why. Yes, I couldn't. I couldn't pinpoint it. I was blaming everyone besides my own self for putting in the wrong string. <laughs> um, and then I think now going forward, like once you go through it, I know that feeling. The second I feel like if I have the right the wrong uh, string, uh, I'll know right away. So yeah. it's it's interesting. Like it's kind of you don't know the feeling till you feel it, and then you will remember that feeling forever. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's the question too. Before the Pure Arrow, you were using a Yonex, I think, right? Yeah, I went through a (laughs) Yonex phase. Um, I I liked uh, back when it was like the E-Zone drive. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of switched to where it was just the E-Zone. And I honestly think it was the same racket, but something about the drive part taken off just made me feel like I couldn't drive the ball, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, there's definitely people that love that one and um, moving forward, agree with you. So there's so many questions, but first of all, explain to everyone, I know you were not interested in demoing during your season, which this year, I think luckily there's been a longer off season for you guys but it's also been kind of like sporadic and you don't know if there's going to be a tournament next week and I know even like after the U.S. Open certain tournaments got canceled but some kept yeah anyway so you can take it from there how do you normally when do you normally go about your demo process and normally it's only a couple weeks out of the year but you had a you've got a little bit more time this year so yeah, a little bit more time this year. And also, I actually think I learned a lot this year about demoing. Um, I think my whole career, I've always waited 
until the end of the season, like you mentioned. And then I say, hey, guys, can you send me, you know, eight, ten different rackets? Let me try everything all at once. Um, and this year, Sanjay actually was the one who kind of talked me into it, where at the U.S. Open, that's when I was actually trying other rackets. But what he would do would he be hit five minutes here with this racket and then play the rest of practice with your racket hit five minutes with this one, hit 10 minutes with this one. And we kind of did it that way until I decided, hey, I like, um, you know, this head racket. I like this model. So, you know, let's let's build on it. So at US Open, at Rome, at these things, I was kind of incrementally adding five minutes, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here while still using my bat a lot. And I think, honestly, it was so, like, so smart of me this time because when I made the decision to switch, I had played with it for, you know, a month, two months, and I was completely confident in it. Whereas when I try to make a quick turnaround, I mean, no one's a hundred percent confident. You're, you're just banking on the fact that it felt good one day. Yeah. And I mean, that could just be you hitting well one day. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was kind of nice to have it um, over an extended period this time. And it's the way I'll do it from now on. Nice. And I like that too, because if you really like something and you're limited, you're kind of like, oh, I can't wait to hit with that racket again. I know. I know. You just pull it out and you feel cool, especially this one. It looks so pretty. And I'm like, yeah. Yep, I'm, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what you said that you weren't feeling super confident in your game. What did you think you were looking to change with your racket? Were there certain specs or were you trying to, you know, was there something specific that you thought you needed to change with the gear or you just knew you needed to like change the way you f it felt in your hands? Both. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I think, I think I would start with saying I was open to wanting to change it, change just the feeling of it. So I think that's the first step, just knowing you're open to a change. Cause if, if you're not, then it's not even worth looking at specs or anything like that. Um, after that, I knew for me, I wasn't very confident with a lot of my game, except for my volleys. I was very, very confident in my volleys, confident in my returns, confident in certain aspects that I didn't think my racket was maximizing. Um, and I have a coach here in Tennessee, and, and most coaches will tell you this, you pick a racket based on your strengths. Um, mm -hmm. you, you want a racket that, that, you know, really, really highlights your strengths rather than like trying to find one that makes up for your weaknesses or things like that. You want to highlight your strengths. And I didn't feel like my current racket was doing that. And that's when I decided to to try out, you know, different rackets. And for me, the Extreme MP, it's, uh, I actually, Lou and I went to the tennis uh, warehouse website, the, the thing where you compare swing weights and, mm -hmm. you know, head size and weight and all that stuff. And we, we picked out this one because it was very similar to the Babylon era. Nice. So um, that's kind of how it started. I felt comfortable with it. And then, yeah, the rest is history. I think it maximizes my volleys, my returns. And, and that's why I like it. <laughs> awesome. That's what I was just doing is pulling them up to compare them side by side because they're really, it's not a huge dramatic it's difference. <laughs> remarkably similar. You would think it was some like, they just went to the same factory and came out a different color. <laughs> Let's not say that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, totally. Um, so looking at the specs, the strong specs, they're the same weight strong, 11.2. The swing weight is different by one point. The stiffness is different by one point. The beam width is, there's a little bit of a difference there. So at one on um, the Babylon Pure Arrow is 23, 26, 23, while the Extreme MP is 23, 26, 21. So there is a little bit of a part of the beam that is thinner. So that could be more feel for you, I would assume. And then more um, and then the same string pattern. So <laughs> a lot of the similar 
kind of vibes, we would say, in these two rackets. Okay, let's keep chugging along with the questions. And this is where I want you to debunk some stuff. Um, There's a lot of pros out there that use the exact same rackets that anyone that's ordering from Tennis Warehouse can get. But there's this whole illusion that every pro is using a painted racket. They're, you know, not, you know, they're specking up their racket. It's not what you can order from the websites. Tell me about any customization that you've ever done or how you get your rackets. I'm assuming just knowing you and working with you through other stuff, you're using Extreme MP. Like that's what you've got in your hands. I, yes, I'm using the Extreme MP. I would say a lot of people are using the racket that you buy on the website. I do think um, when I make modifications, which is very, very limited, and it's just something as simple as adding tape or, you know, maybe a little weight in the grip, something that everyone at home can also do just based on their own preferences. You know, I I will have someone maybe sometimes do that. But with right now, I'm just playing with the Extreme MP, exactly how I got it from head. And I I love it. And the only thing other, uh, you know, thing we do sometimes is just balance them because sometimes, you know, you you get one and it's a little off from the other, just from a, you know, little default in the factory or whatever the case may be. And so, so sometimes we go about that. But other than that, I mean, you know, I would say the majority of pros are using the same ones that you guys pick up at a, at a local shop. <laughs> yeah. And then talk to me a little bit about your knowledge of swing weight, which for me personally, you know, I've always been in tennis. I've always thought I'm really aware of like everything in tennis. And then I came to work at T-Dub and there's like a whole layer of geeked out, like, here's your swing weight, here's your strong weight, here's your balance, here's this, here's that. And it kind of opens up your mind and you're like, oh, that's why I like that one, that racket a little bit better than this. Are you aware of the actual specs of your racket? It sounds like you are, but you're also like a very smart, <laughs> smart human. You yeah. like statistics, like numbers are your thing. <laughs> so yes, numbers, <laughs> numbers are my thing. Um, I definitely look at it. I definitely consider it. Um, I would say I honestly might be a bit less than some of the other pros on tour in terms of it. I think for me, I'm a big uh, feeling person. Like, I mean, it sums up in my year how I said I was a bit low in confidence in, you know, supposedly supposed to be my most confident year. It's because I'm a feeling person and I have to feel good. And so for me, uh, you can put any number by it and I have to kind of feel that sensation of the difference. And so I'm, I'm more of that way. But Lou, on the other hand, my doubles partner, she is opposite. She knows her exact swing weight, uh, will, you know, maybe sometimes add weight here or there to, to adjust the swing weight. Uh, so she's very in tune with that, where I'm a little more chill and a little more go with the flow. And I just want to feel it go through the air. <laughs> nice. So then a lot of people want to know how many rackets do you start your season with? And are they all matched or are some slightly heavier, slightly li- lighter, swing faster, swing slower? Oh, actually, good question. That's uh, <laughs> something I actually have never even considered in terms of changing it, uh, having some heavier, some, some less heavy. So you can, that, that gives you the there answer you right there. All of them are the same. <laughs> uh, all of them the same. I'm going to, you know, make sure to get them balanced before Australia. And that's kind of uh, what I'm, I'm going with. I have uh, only six rackets right now, but kind of plan to get six new kind of throughout the course of the year. So hopefully, you know, six now, maybe six mid-season, six at the end, kind of going 
um, that route this time instead of getting, you know, 12 at once, like I kind of sometimes have typically done in the past. Uh, so just trying to kind of get it because I actually was playing with that Bablat for ages. I didn't yeah. even realize it, you know, how long I had had it and, you know, little cracks here and there and it just some, you know, old, oldness. <laughs> so kind of this year I am uh, focusing on, you know, starting and then, hey, let's revamp it. Let's get a new one, fresh stick out there. Awesome. And then someone was asking also, can you feel the rackets getting older? It might be tough because now it's like what you're used to, but like you're saying, you've had those pure arrows for a while. Do you, have you noticed anything like a change? Yeah, I think, I think you can. And similarly, it's a bit tricky unless you know the feeling and you know kind of what a new one is. So I think my suggestion would be to anyone who thinks, Hey, maybe it's starting to feel old would be to go demo a new one right away. And like, just compare same racket, same string, same tension, everything. And you can notice the difference in just like how the ball flies. I think a new racket, it's just got that pop. It's got all that. Yeah. And it just kind of starts to, to die on you as it gets older. Yeah. New, a new racket with new strings and a new grip is like Christmas day for a tennis player. Exactly. <laughs> it is the most beautiful time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a similar question. Someone was wondering if you end up kind of gravitating towards one racket, if you have a favorite, it sounds like for you, it's a lot about feel. So maybe it could be how, you know, how the strings are playing. I, I don't know. Some players like the strings after two hours of play or whatnot, but what about you? I am absolutely psycho with this. That is where <laughs> I am completely psychotic. So I have, I'm kind of working my way through it with new rackets, but if you would have told me the bad lot, you know, a, a couple of months ago, I could have told you what, you know, two, three rackets I play with every match, what, like the exact time I get them strung, the, you know, everything along those lines. I think everyone has that feeling where the grip almost seems to mold to your hand a bit on the ones you really like, you know, it just feels perfect. And, and I'm that way. I know people, you know, kind of recommend using, using a variety of, of, of different rackets, keep them all fresh, but, I'm too superstitious, too psycho for that. So I've got about three that I absolutely love. And, and that's kind of my primary rotation during tournaments. And, and I'll uh, switch it up in practices and all that. <laughs> nice. And when you were demoing the head rackets, were there other families that you were demoing, other brands? And did you have them all strung the exact same way you would string your pure arrow? So I actually, this time around, only tried head. Um, for me... I think I would have tried other, even though there was a bit of a push to to go the head route, I think I would have tried other brands if I had not, you know, found this racket that I really liked. So if I had, you know, as, as much as I love the radical and it's good for certain people or the, you know, all the other ones, the speed, for me, it wasn't suitable to my game. So if I just had that to choose from, I, I would have sampled uh, elsewhere and tried different brands. But I, I fell, you know, in love with the the Extreme MP and then that's that's why I chose it without sampling others. But yes, I sorry, I feel like I kind of missed the second half of that question. That's okay. But. And then the string setup, were you putting your string setup in all the rackets that you demoed? Yes. So uh, string setup was the same initially on all of them. And then from that initial feel, sometimes I adjusted. So for me, the MP actually string a bit tighter than I did my arrow. And uh, I don't know if that's the product of the racket itself or the pro product of the fact my Babolat was a bit dead and a bit older and maybe needed a bit of looser string to get that same pop. So I can't speak to that, but uh, I do string it a bit tighter with the MP. 
Okay. And then I have to ask, Is has Lou tried the new Radical? <laughs> I don't know if you know, but... I actually don't know. I'm sure okay. she has, though. I know she's in Brazil uh, right now, and I'm sure she's tried She's tried the new one. Uh, but I it's beautiful, so. too. They, yeah. They're doing a the great paint job. <laughs> I really like that racket. And then I also have to ask, did Head try to get you into some new strings? Because the Lynx Tour string... For some, I also like Selenko. I like Hyper G. I actually really like Hyper G Soft now because I don't need <laughs> all the stiffness. But Lynx Tour is also a favorite. And have you tried that yeah. string? <laughs> you were you were mentioning that, um, and so I, I have tried it, and I uh, tried one other head string that I'm kind of blanking on. It's gray. Um, so I tried those two in it, okay. and um, for me, I think I'm I'm just a bit of a Selinko loyalist at this point. I've been playing with Selinko string with my Yonex, with my Bablot, and now with my head. So uh, for me, it's it's just my favorite string for some for some reason. I feel like I get the pop, the spin, you know, everything. And I do want to try the soft. That's something I've been talking to Norman and the guys about is I, I really want to try the soft because my arms are mess, you know, 99% of the year. So I need, I need a little relief there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a Selinko person. I string it as low intention as I can uh, while still making the ball in the court is basically kind of my, my assessment of it. I had a coach tell me that once I put a rubber band on it, uh, you know, like as my vibration dampener old school. And he told me, keep, keep dropping it until you can, you know, swing all out and make it in the court. Um, and, and that's kind of what I, I go by. (laughs) So where, where does that bring you right now on the extreme MP? Yeah, extreme MP. I'm at forty, between forty nine and like sometimes even fifty, pushing fifty plus. You know, which is a little wild for me. Uh, with the with the Zavlot, I was all the way down. You know, between sometimes like I would say forty seven was my most. Holy crap! I know, I know. That's why I have the backhand bunt. I can't, I can't. No. <laughs> Oh my gosh. People out there listening are going to be like, that's amazing. Yay. Low tension. I string way too high. And maybe that's why my shoulders jacked up. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish I could string high. If I strung high, I don't think I would crack an egg. I can't, I don't have that natural pace. So I gotta, I gotta help myself out a little bit. Oh, no way. But, um, uh, hyper G soft. Um, I don't know if Slinka would want me want to hear this, but for me, I am not the best at restringing rackets. So I had one of my rackets strung with regular Hyper G and it had sat in there. I mean, I'd played it, but it was at least three weeks old, maybe four, probably maybe five. (laughs) Either way, I loved it. And then I um, got Slinko Hyper G and I was like, oh, it feels the exact same as my bagged out Hyper G. So why wouldn't I switch to this? But, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm uh, I'm actually too. Um, I know I, I mentioned a little. I'm OCD with my with my string, but I am a bit bad with it as well. Actually, it's something I'm trying to improve on. Moose actually talked to me about it because she's very before every match she's stringing three rackets. I'm the type of person that I'm like, okay, it costs you know twenty five bucks a pop here. If you're at the French Open, it's like close to forty dollars to string your racket. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to string one and we're going to see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Do either of you know how to string? Um, I dabbled in it for a bit, but for me, it's just, 
difficult to like it's just way easier to to get someone else to do it and way more consistent than my myself but uh (laughs) I think it's something as a junior if I could go back in time I would would do I had a great stringer in juniors though too so like he was so great with me made it super affordable so like again it didn't really make sense for me to do it but I do recommend it when it's you know 25 bucks a pop It's, it's a bit wild and maybe it's changed but I wish every female tennis player every young lady learned how to string because I know you went to academy I went to academy and it was like no you just give it to the boys and they'll string it for you and like you said it's such a good deal but I wish that I knew and I wish kind of that I mean like I know how to string it just takes me a long time and I just kind of wish that was part of like the tennis you know you practice you break a string you string it yourself yeah absolutely I think uh yeah it gets lost in because yeah. it's easy to it's easy to grip a racket or things like that but you know stringing is a bit tough with getting a stringer and and all of that but the the investment pays off by I don't know how many fold but a lot fold because by the time you're you know 18 and heading off to college you've strung a zillion rackets in your day totally now there were a few more questions someone was asking if you were looking at all which it doesn't sound like it but were you at all interested in switching string patterns so you had the 1619 and, you know, obviously there's some different patterns, 1820 for more control and precision. There's some, what, 1618s out there. Was that ever anything that caught your head, mind, and you're like, hmm, maybe I should try that or more staying similar, but slightly different? Yeah, I think uh, for me, it was, it was staying similar. I think like earlier in my career, I did consider it. Um, I'm at the point now where I think I know kind of the string pattern I like, and and I know when it is a tighter string pattern for me, it's similar to having tighter tension. Like it does give you that more control, but I just don't like the feel of it. I like, I like the looseness. I like the blowing. It's just how I, how I operate. It's uh, how I feel best coming off my racket. So I'm, I'm better with a, I didn't realize there was a 1618 though. I'm intrigued by that. I might have to go do some Googling after this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think, I know. So I've been playing with this old throwback racket that got re-released and I actually pulled it out yesterday. I was hitting for an hour and it was like, I was testing, I'm testing a bunch of stuff right now, but like the last 20 minutes, I'm like, it's for me. <laughs> so it's a 1618, but like, it's a really controlled um, middle of the racket. So like the, it's tighter, tighter strings in the middle. So your sweet spots, like a more controlled feel, but then it opens up as a, on a, on the way out. And I think it's a 98 square inch head. I'm not sure, but yeah. And then the same question with head size, were you ever considering? Cause I think one of the MPs might actually have a smaller head and maybe you tested it. Um, or one of the extremes might have a smaller head size, but um was that something you looked at because I was there one that has a 98 I think I think there is and and for me um I I actually did not look at it um (laughs) I don't really have a valid like I want to come up with a legitimate reason of why not um (laughs) but I I just don't have one I didn't I I stuck with the the hundred I think it's just kind of for me, I didn't even think about it because I think I just noticed it in my hand when I'm taking it. Because I don't know if you've seen me play, so I'm going to do a little bit. I, I hold my, my racket like this. So that is where the thickness does come into play. I do like it kind of uh, the feel. I notice a difference, but I hold it like that when I take my forehand back. So I kind of can can pick up on that just from a feel standpoint pretty quick. So give me exactly what your dream racket, which now is the Graphene 360 Plus Extreme MP, does for you. What are the characteristics 
And if you were to describe it to someone, why it's great for you and your game, maybe explain your game a little bit too, if anyone out there hasn't watched you play. Yeah, um, it's evolving is how it's different now. Um, I think that's the cool thing too about it is people I think think pros are just so fixed in in what they do well and all that. But it's, I mean, you look at Nadal being super aggressive now compared to, you know, how he started on the tour. I'm now, I would say at the net, probably 90 plus percent of my doubles play, uh, where before I was 10 feet behind the baseline grinding in singles and avoiding the net in doubles. <laughs> so quite the contrast. And um, it's been an evolution. So for me, I, I really prioritize that feel at the net this time. And um, I was actually, uh, you know who messaged me? Julian uh, Roger, Roger. So uh-huh. my World Team Tennis bud. He, he was asking me because he's demoing right now. And he's like, oh, what, cool. what made you switch? Blah, blah, blah. What did you like? And I actually had to think about it. And so he prepped me for this. Um, <laughs> for me, it was, it was uh, just the maneuverability of the racket. Um, if you have, you know, the extreme MP in your hand, you will know what I mean when you are switching from left to right quick. And you're, you know, I think for me, it's like returns that kind of quick, I need to pick forehand backhand. I can fly it through the air so quickly and make such solid contact off of it. And it's the same with volleys, quickness through the air. I feel like I can just, you know, move the racket wherever I want on a dime. And I think probably of any racket that I've played with, this one feels the most maneuverable at in terms of just just getting there quickly with solid contact so I think that was the the biggest factor because I'm at the net tons I'm changing directions tons I'm you know trying to make quick decisions all the time and and that's kind of what I needed something that was solid in those quick decisions I love it and anyone that has not watched you guys play doubles I recommend you go find a YouTube clip because I actually brought you guys up last week I think it was we were talking about women's doubles and I was saying that actually I feel like the game has evolved and that a lot of women are closing the net and playing at the net and both you and Lou are so fun to watch because you're so aggressive. You've got great hands. There's like clips of you guys getting like an overhead hit at your face for like you're like under the net and you're just like popping balls off the side. Serve and volley is real with you guys like it's a thing real (laughs) yeah even when I'm serving five miles an hour it's real um (laughs) that's always a fun uh conversation too because I think people expect you to bomb big serves but like you've got such great movement on your serves which I think is actually harder for most people to return than a big flat first serve that they see every day yeah, I think um, I, I have a ton of spin on it, a ton of movement. Um, I think I, I back in the day, I was more of the bomb server back in college. And then I went through some injuries and then had some nerve issues in my shoulder this year with my arm. So I feel like I like lost complete control of my arm. And it was that's that's where a lot of the, the issues this year came from in terms of that confidence. Um, but yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, we we crashed the net. It's It's my thing. I think... For me, what I found so interesting about doubles is how strategy-based it is. Um, you know, am I going to beat Ostapenko in a backhand-to-backhand rally? Probably not. You know, I'm, I'm not. So I have to, I have to recognize where I have my strengths, and, and that's at the net where I can make people uncomfortable, where I can, you know, make people that are the best in the world in singles 
you know, feel like they, they are, you know, worried about what I'm doing. So mm -hmm. that's where we, we try to make people uncomfortable. And we do a lot of random stuff, a lot of crashing, a lot of chip lobs, a lot of slices. Uh, you don't know. I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to do half the time. <laughs> so that's kind of what to expect with us. So it's, it's a bunch of fun. And, and I like to think we have some, some entertaining points out of it. <laughs> A hundred percent. It's been fun watching this year. Uh, do you have a favorite moment that stands out or like best, I don't know what you would say the best moment has been? There's been a few, I'm sure. <laughs> Good question. I think um, maybe, maybe this is a product once again of me, me with, with my mental state, but I love the beginning of the year. So I think for me, Australian Open, I think was the coolest moment uh we beat the nine seeds the first round and i think for me that was the most special because we actually lost our first two matches of the year so i think when you start out over two you're kind of second guessing yourself second guessing everything and then you beat the nine seeds uh with a reasonably like comfortable score not you know um and like feeling confident in it and then we proceeded to make it to the round of 16 after not even playing a grand slam together i think that stands out to me as like the moment I think we recognize like, Hey, um, this is, this is, could be pretty special. And, and from there we built on it. Um, and then I think Plishkovas, we beat the Plishkovas in That's cool. Dubai. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I mean, they don't play doubles often, but when they do, they're absurdly good. They win mm -hmm. everything it seems. So to, to beat them was a really cool moment too, I think. Nice. Yeah. They're intimidating too. I mean, like what, six, one, six, two. I feel like they're like tall and linky. They've got the tats on the legs and they're just like, I we know. don't care. <laughs> We're yeah, exactly. big. <laughs> yeah. It was so great. The first time, the first return game, I still remember. I can remember every turn return. I'm that's one thing that I have. I have like a memory of every point of every match practically type of person. Um, and I like returned unreal the first game. Yes. I remember. Yeah. I mean, I made every return. I hit like two, maybe two return winners. I was like, who am I? <laughs> like, what is happening? Please let this last forever. <laughs> right. That's awesome. So cool. Okay. I have one more racket question and then we're going to kind of talk a little bit about footwear. Someone was asking if it was the ugliest racket ever and it still was perfect. <laughs> would you switch it to switch to it? <laughs> I I would I do think I do think the beauty of this racket may have played a slight factor in my decision making um it's gorgeous I it makes you confident when you step out on the court but I would play with the ugliest racket ever <laughs> if if I if someone could convince me to get it in my hand to try it I don't know right. <laughs> and then if it felt good like I said I'm such a field person but this is my favorite question for sure <laughs> yeah, it was a good question. And I'm such a proponent of like blacked out demoing and playtesting because we're all tennis players, which means we're all mental head cases. We, and like, yeah, exactly. yeah, if like, it, it just, it always matters what it looks like, you know? Yeah, it's inevitable. You can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about footwear and I know a decision has not been made, but <laughs> this is also a great question or this is a great, great topic because a lot of people out there think that everyone in the top 100, top 200 is getting their gear from brands. They have some big sponsorship and, you know, 
they're the same thing. They're wearing shoes that are made just for them and all of that. And unfortunately, I hate to break it to most people, but it's not that glamorous. <laughs> I know. I mean, I think I think it should be proven by the fact that the past like did his shoestring eighty thousand times with that one tournament. Um, you know, even the top ten people aren't aren't doing it. Nadal made a switch of his shoes mid French Open, I think, this year. Like, uh, you know, we we get what is given to us. And uh, that's where I'm lucky to be with the tennis warehouse squad, where I get a bit of a choice in my decision making. But I mean, you can't you, you can't even like imagine how many times in the locker room we hear a few comments about people that are not happy with their new gear kit. <laughs> I believe it. Um, and then that's something I wanted to mention too. Is it's 2020? We're all struggling with inventory this year, and. Anyone listening who's tried to buy a pair of shoes from certain brands is going to feel the same struggles. So we have, I actually have some shoes by me for some other purposes for later today, but you have been wearing the Cord FF2 and actually a few of the Team T-Dub players wear this shoe. And I'm like waiting for Christiane to ask for more. And I'm like, we don't have any. (laughs) Um, So Haley's been wearing this shoe for a couple, a year, a couple of years. I don't know. Yeah, around a year, year and a half, maybe. Okay. And, you know, this is a T-Dub absolute favorite. Every playtester puts this as their number one. So it's no, it's easy for us to recommend it to players, but we can't get any more in stock. So I told her to try. My favorite of this year is the Nike Vapor Cage. And I really like this shoe. I've had a few other people mention that they've tried it and switched to it. So you have had some issues with injuries in the past. So what exactly do you require from your footwear? Yeah, um, I've had a ton, ton of injuries, um, <laughs> dealing with some, some foot stuff now, similar, like some nerve issues in, uh, in my legs. And um, yeah, so a lot of it is I actually uh, had to talk to the WTA doctors and kind of get a plan together for it. And interestingly enough, that is something maybe we do have a bit of access to that we're lucky with is they kind of guide us in uh, recommending shoes based on some tests they run uh, with us. But other than that, we do, we are using, you know, the ones that are given to us, but they do help guide us in that decision-making process. And I've been loyal to the ASICs, but I've been having uh, some stress reaction fracture issues in my outside of my foot. And if you notice, the ASICs is a bit stiff on that outside a bit mm-hmm. tight out there uh yeah. in the shoe box so uh you know we tried uh the physios tried with like a knife kind of cutting a little slit <laughs> in it a few times at tournaments mm-hmm. and things like that uh but I've been having a bit of issues with that I love everything else about the shoe mm-hmm. uh but for that reason uh and due to inventory I am uh trying out the Nike the Nike one so how does that kind of play testing look like for you are you bringing both pairs of shoes to the court? Are you just wearing the Nikes for a session? How does it, how's, how's the play testing been? <laughs> I think it would be different if I was a hundred percent switching and like, say I was trying out a Nike and an Adidas pair and mm-hmm. I wasn't a six. I think it would be kind of a slightly different process, but because I've been in a six for, you know, years now, I am doing kind of similar to the racket, not, not five minutes, but I am just kind of slowly incorporating it in because it is, such a sensitive issue you know like the racket is with your arm the the shoes are with your feet you notice right away even in a perfect shoe even when I switched to the Asics I've been playing with for two years uh you know initially it kind of hurt my feet a little in terms of adjustment when you go too quick too soon so doing it slow um 
I've been out, unfortunately, still quite a bit. So I haven't gotten as much court time with the Nikes as I wanted, but I'm, I'm adding in uh, sprinkles of time here and there. <laughs> nice. I know. Now I'm like, what else should we <laughs> give you to try? The gel res, you've tried gel res, maybe. I don't know. I have. I have. Um, I like slide all over the place. And for me, those are a bit, um, I don't know if it's like my foot feels higher up mm-hmm. in them. Yeah, I think that's what it was, if I remember. And it kind of feels like I'm just going to tumble on over. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's a bit shallow, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the play testing is like, it's so tough when you like just know that you need an answer, but it's not easy <laughs> to have one. No, it's not easy. And it's like, I think that's the biggest part of play testing is like, do we make these decisions 100% confidently? No, not really. We try to put ourselves in the best position to like step out and be like, okay, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to second guess this. I've I've made the right decision, but it's such a process. And I think people get so caught up in like, I want to, you know, know right away if something works or it doesn't. And it's, it's not that simple. It's, you know, like you work on your forehand and your backhand every day. You got to work on figuring out the right equipment for you too. It's a science. It's an art. That's why you guys are so good at it and know way more than I do. Honestly, I feel like a rookie here talking to you. Um, but it, it's definitely a work in progress and takes a lot of practice. No, that's really good to hear you say, because I think a lot of people listening want to know like, oh, you know, I just ordered some demos from Tennis Warehouse and I hit with them and like, I'm not feeling like that's the one or, you know, I just bought these new shoes. They look so cool, but they just don't feel good on my feet. And I think that's important that it's not always like first connection. <laughs> it's like in life. Yeah, it's not, it's not always first connection. It's like love at first sight versus, yeah. you know, the relationships you work on. Um, but exactly. it's, uh, for, for me, it's like, I think the, the things you have to start out with are knowing you want to potentially make a switch. It's, it's a big mental thing to even have, you know, that desire to make a switch. It has to be enough to justify it, I think. Um, then two, knowing why you want to make the switch. What is it you're looking for? And like, really, like, as you know, silly as it sounds, like writing out those factors of like, what do I want from my shoe? I want more breathability in my toe box. What do I want in my racket? I want more maneuverability than net, like specific things. I want this head, head size, whatever it is. And then from there, you demo those things that are specific to that. And you give those, those things a chance. I think too often people just like pick up one racket here, one racket because someone's playing with it, but they saw another one without understanding why they're picking the racket other than it looks cool or, you know, Nadal's playing with it or something like that. Like really pay attention to the factors and what each racket does well. And that narrows your scope. And then that allows you to actually take the time to figure out if that is good for you versus like, you know, five minutes with every single racket in in stock is not going to give you, that's when you're (laughs) Banking on love at first sight, and that is a dangerous recipe. No. I did that once when I was younger uh, with the I, it's the downfall of my career. I will never. <laughs> this is where everything went downhill for me. It was the Babolat, um It was, I think, it was like the Pure Storm Limited. Okay, was it the red so one? one? It was. It was red at one time. Yeah, red, and then at one time it was like I think when I first got it, it was yeah, like kind of like orange. That orange yeah, yeah, and. There was a guy at our academy that played with it and he just like hit so smooth, so cool. I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. Hit one time with it was like, I'm switching. Yeah. Made the switch committed. And then like, you know, three months later, it's like, this is the worst decision ever. <laughs> <laughs> I made an awful decision. I, I switched back to the arrow 
ASAP, but it was a, it was a three month, uh, low lost me some confidence. Like it's, it does play a big factor. (laughs) Yeah. You actually bring up something interesting because I think a lot of people like what they like and, Sometimes maybe you feel like, oh my God, yeah, I like a pure driver. I like the pure arrow, but everyone gives me crap for it. But like, if that's what you love, just stick with it. Like, it's okay. You don't want a, you don't like a flexible racket, then don't hit with a flexible racket. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, uh, you don't have to have the latest fad. And as much as I want to be like, everyone go buy the pretty head rackets, because I think that's (laughs) maybe part of my duty. I would say, no, buy whichever racket works for you and whichever one's the best for your game. It doesn't matter if it's ugly going back to the last question from the viewers. It doesn't matter uh, different things. It's about, you know, finding that, finding that right one for you. And the best racket is one that you can be confident playing with in the tightest of situations, which you found yourself in, in the past year, and you weren't even confident in your gear or your game. So watch out 2021. (laughs) I know. That's what I keep telling myself. I'm like, you know, it can bound to like go up from a mental standpoint from here. So like, I'm feeling good going into 2021. That's pretty cool. Like, that's awesome. I feel like when you, everyone's kind of had an off year and like, you're kind of like, yeah, it was good. But <laughs> I mean, it was like your best year, but you're still like, oh, there's like, you're still going up on the, on the yeah, hike. On it's, the- it's exciting for sure. And it's, it's tough. It's hard to talk about uh, the struggles when you are doing well from a results standpoint, because I think people uh, give you a little, uh, without meaning to a little eye roll at it. And I would probably give it the same eye roll if I wasn't having the results that someone else is complaining about results that they're having. But it's, you know, I think everyone's battling something. And, you know, for me, it, it was a process this year and I'm super proud of it. And I'm excited for 2021 with, with the new gear and the, the new excitement again to like get it back out on the court. Yes. So just to wrap it up, have you splurged on anything for 2020. I know it's been a tough year. I know like you guys haven't even really been able to celebrate all the amazing things that you've done. You haven't even really been able to, I mean, you guys have traveled, but like, you know, travel has been limited for you guys also. Like, I know you're supposed to play the whole Asia swing that got canceled, stuff like that. So have you, did you buy the mini? That's what I need to know. (laughs) I didn't buy the mini Cooper, but I'm considering it. So I actually have two answers to this. First is the quick one of, I just got myself a Garmin uh forerunner like the yeah I got myself the music like fancy yes. one I went I went all out with it because I hate running I hate I all the viewers you think pro tennis players love this fitness stuff no I am not <laughs> one of them I you can't catch me dead like entering a gym so I got this to excite myself for for gym workouts so that's my recent splurge but I have a little funny quick story of uh, I never spin on myself. I never splurge. I'm, you know, that way. And after Ozzy, I was like, Ozzy, and then we won the 125. I was like, you know, I'm at Indian Wells. I'm going to buy myself a new iPhone and AirPods Pro that I'm I'm using now. Like, I'm just going to splurge. Like, I'm here. I deserve it. Buy it. Next day, tournament canceled. <laughs> Next, you know, within three days. Miami canceled within a week, six weeks off, you know, then it's three months. And I'm like, this is my punishment for treating myself. I buy one thing and the tour gets shut down for three, three months. We're blaming Uh, you. Yeah. (laughs) It's all my fault guys. (laughs) So yeah, uh, those are really my only, my only splurges. I probably need a new laptop, but I'm the person that's like, I'm going to wait till it breaks. Uh, so 
This sounds similar. I'm very similar to you. I don't splurge too often. I actually had my eye on a new car for next year um, also. So <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. But that's... I mean, we, we talked about how I sometimes don't stream my racket because it's $25 a pop. So I think that's your answer to the splurging question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got to treat yourself, girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> get, get something for Christmas. But I am curious to hear your feedback on the garment. I'm actually thinking about upgrading myself because mine's a couple years old and it's just a little bit slower and like those new ones I don't know if you got the phoenix but like those ones look so awesome and they have like settings for every sport and yoga and oh nice you should have told me this prior to me getting a different type of garment watch I got the four the forerunner like 645 music okay one or something like okay that. so like I'm big with the music I need to have it downloaded and I want to run without my phone type of person um if I make it to run <laughs> I was gonna say, and, so are we running now <laughs> yeah we're running buddies nice. it's official it's been it's been deemed official in this moment I've got to get a 5k in later today so if you're up for a yeah. challenge let's go <laughs> let's do it <laughs> yeah awesome well super excited about 2021 I'm not even gonna ask what it holds because at this point we're not sure the Australian Open was pushed back we're not sure I mean you might know more than I do probably but I'm just gonna let it be it's not in our control so we're just gonna be excited for the year to come and keep kicking ass on the court and now you've got new beautiful racket out there and you're Awesome. It kind of matches our shirts. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the gray. Know, wait, it's right? going to fade into it. Oh, it does. Maybe that's why I love this shirt too. There you go. <laughs> and uh, if anyone has any questions for Haley, feel free to reach out and email us at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. Where can they follow you? You've been upping your social game. That's another I thing. Have been, I have been upping my social media game. I took a social media grad course this semester. So it was part of my project actually. So a bit forced, but now I kind of like it. Um, but at Haley and Carter on Instagram, that's that's really the only one you can find me on now. I deleted my Twitter. I went off the grid a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, feel free to shoot me a message too. Like I, off season for me, I've been actually very responsive to a lot of people have been sending me questions now, now that I've up to my social media game and I'll, I respond to close to 100% of them. So feel free to shoot me a message anytime about really anything tennis related. And I'm always down to talk tennis. <laughs> awesome. And she always has beautiful views no matter where she is in the world. And then she's always got great coffee spots. And yes, <laughs> yeah. And then once her and Lou are back together and traveling, it's it's a fun little combo because <laughs> Haley's like, oh, don't t- don't make me go to the gym. And Lou's like doing sprints on the beach yesterday. <laughs> I know. We are such a great contrast. It's what makes us successful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for talking to us and giving all your feedback on your playtesting and all of that. We really appreciate it and wishing you nothing but the best for 2021. Thank you guys so much. I'm excited to to get started. Yay. Happy hitting. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yay. I never know how to like end these things. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes. And be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com, and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, happy hitting. Yeah. <laughs>
Lots. Oh, you just took your headphones out, so now I can't hear you. I've been having Zoom problems all week. Oh, there we go. Is it working? <laughs> yes. I was like, wait. Okay, bye. <laughs>